So we are at, uh, we, we started with an overview of Hosea last time, uh, got just a little bit into the text, and um, uh, Hosea and his wife, Gomer, have had one baby. Does anybody remember his name, the, the firstborn son of Hosea and Gomer? Jezreel is correct. Yes, Jezreel. And we're going to come back to him. Uh, but now uh, we're picking it up at verse 6. And Gomer conceived again and gave birth to a daughter. Then the Lord called to Hosea, or said to Hosea, Call her Lo Ruhamah. And uh, there's a, I'm sure that's a picture of exactly what she looked like. Let's just all say, Aw. So, aw. Delightful baby, except for what her name means. For I will no longer show love to the house of Israel that I should at all forgive them. So lo ruhamah means not loved or I don't love you. Here is your son, Hosea. I'm going to call you I don't love you. This is pretty tough love, isn't it? Yeah, there's a reason for this. We're going to come back and we're going to circle around to all of this again and find out the whys and the is there any gospel and, and so forth. So lo ruhama. Yet I will show love to the house of Judah and I will save them not by bow, sword or battle or by horses or horsemen but by the Lord their God. Um, so now he singles out Judah to the northern tribes. Judah's going to get saved. What does this tell the southern, or the, or the, or the northern kingdom? You're divorced. You're out of the picture. You're not going to get saved. However, has it happened yet? Therefore, is there some glimmer of something here? There is, there's not much hope. There's a little hope. Um, have you heard of, how many of you know what I mean if I say Schrodinger's cat? Do you know that? Yes. Some of you don't know, right? Schrodinger was uh, a, 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 a psychologist who, and Dan, correct me if I get any of the details here wrong, but Schrodinger was a psychologist in uh, probably Germany who postulated that if you put a cat into a box and a vial of poison and close the box. At some point, the cat will probably bite the vial and will die. But until you open the box, you don't know if the cat is alive or dead. So for a while, Schrodinger's cat says, I, I have this moment of uncertainty and I don't know what's going on with my cat. Uh, and so... Uh, we have this uncertainty for Israel at this point. Are we really done for, or is there a little bit of hope? Um, if God says, I am condemning you, um, is there a chance for me to repent and to say, please don't, and so forth? So notice something else here in this verse that, wow, I would like to preach to, to Peter in the Garden of Gethsemane. Yeah, I will save them not by sword or bow or bow, uh, sword or battle or by horses and horsemen, but by the Lord their God. The Messiah, the salvation God promised, was not going to be a military victory. 
There are hints about that all over the Old Testament, but I'm, maybe they never had a really good dogmatician like old Professor Kaler, who put everything together for them, or Heineke, and said, this is how it will be, you know, here are all the passages. That's, um, we have a class in the seminary called Dogmatics, and you have it five days a week for, four, for three years. Um, you, have, you have dog every single day, and Dogmatics is, in the words of my Dogmatics professor, the only practical theology there is. You take all of the passages and how do they apply to the doctrines. And so you look at all of scripture and apply it to as many doctrines as you can even think of. Um, and, uh, and you get this practical aptitude, uh, a, a, a way of applying the word of God to everyday life. So that when your son comes up to you, at 9.30 at night, and it's almost bedtime, and he has a school project due the next morning. And he said, Dad, my friends and I were talking at lunch the other day and wondering if it's sinful to be a cannibal. You can answer the question, you know. Should we talk about that later? Maybe later. Maybe later. Because, you know, you read Leviticus 11 and you come up with a particular answer about that. But anyway. Um, so the Messiah not by military victory Um, so Israel rejected Judah rescued and did you notice how quickly we went from law to gospel there that's a theme we're going to recognize throughout the whole book of Hosea Um, I forgot how exactly um, my old teacher Professor Eichmann um, um, commented about that at some point Um, That how quickly Hosea goes back and forth, law to gospel, gospel to law, all through the whole book. Um, He's not subtle about it. He just switches, boom, 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 boom. But it's all law gospel, all law gospel. Okay, new baby, huh? After she had leaned lo ruhama, by the way, how long does it take to wean a baby? these days, it can take as little time as you want, right? Um, uh, back in the 60s, Dr. Spock recommended that women not breastfeed babies at all. Get them right onto formula. So there was no weaning process from that perspective. Not good for the mother's health. Um, but uh, in ancient times, though, how long did they feed babies? Two to three years, sometimes longer. There are examples in even recent Chinese and Japanese history of children being weaned in their sixes and sevens. Um, But two to three years in ancient times. So how long have they been married now? Gomer and Hosea. At at the very least, maybe, maybe, maybe more than that. Could be seven or eight, depending on how quickly they got pregnant in the first place. It could be longer and how long between you know, children and so forth, but at least two weanings would be six years and maybe more. Um, so the Lord said, oh, and by the way, she had, Gomer had another son. So it's boy, girl, boy in the family. Then the Lord said, call him Lo-Ami. Do you see his little baby infant yamaka on the screen there? That's what that is. Um, call him Lo-Ami. 
for you are not my people and I am not your God. Lo ami means not my people or not mine. Yeah, not mine at all. So just to look at a little calendar here, if uh, we say that Hosea maybe married Gomer uh, around the year 760 BC, that might not be exactly right, but I'm going to use it as a baseline. It's about 40 years before Israel's going to fall. Then maybe the following year is the birth of Jezreel, the oldest son, and his name means punishment is coming. Three or four years after that, the birth of Lo Ruhamah, if she weans and then gets pregnant, that's a fourth year, right? Not extra 40 weeks. Um, Israel is no longer loved by God. That's the message of that family. So punishment is coming, no longer loved by God. And now in 751, Lo Ami, you're no longer even the people of God. And that's 29 years before the fall of Samaria. Um, if those dates are fairly accurate, and I think they're close to being accurate. So the fall of Samaria is coming in 722. And just a countdown um, until the Assyrians come. Okay. Yet the Israelites will be like the sand on the seashore. Oh, wow. Again, right? Flipping. Law to gospel. Just there's no change in the in the it's almost like you turn the page in a storybook uh there's just no transition between you're not even my people oh but you'll be like the sand on the seashore which cannot be measured or counted in the place where it was said to him you are not my people they will be called sons of the living god so talk about holding out hope um but it's it's a it's a confusing thing about hosea but it's going to keep happening and I'd like you to just keep this picture in mind, if you don't mind. Uh, so here we have uh, the sun. Uh, it's, it's sunset, and it's like there's a car, and it's going behind trees and stuff, right? And a, and a sign and things like that. But sometimes the sun is gone, and sometimes the sun is out and gone, and out and gone, and out. And that's the rapidity of things in Hosea. It just, it's like the gospel's there, then it's not. Then it's there, then it's not. And almost like there are clouds going by or something, but it's, he just goes back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Um, and probably the, the poor prophet, one, remember one of the earliest writing prophets, there hasn't been an Isaiah or a Jeremiah or a Daniel yet. Um, there might have been a Joel. And Amos was writing at the same time, but down in Tekoa, in Jerusalem's Cortland, you know, that's, that's where Amos is, way down south. And, but Hosea's up north all by himself, and no one's ever written this stuff before, apart from Moses in Hosea's mind. And he's just writing down what the Lord tells him, and he's not constructing a framework for it, I think. He's just, this is the message, this is what I write, and so it's very boom, 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 boom all the time. So law gospel, law gospel. The people of Judah and the people of Israel will be reunited. And they will appoint one leader and will come and, 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 and they will appoint one leader and will come up out of the land. Um, oh, yeah, uh, they will come up out of the land. Um, what land might that be that they're going to come up out of? Well, in their memory so far, where had they come from? The Israelites. Egypt. 
They had come up out of Egypt. Um, and for great will be the day of Jezreel. Oh, now we're coming back to that name. And we're going to find out a new meaning for the name. So um, Israel is going to be rescued. There's going to be a reunion. Or there could be. There will be a remnant preserved. Um, but they had not only come up out of Egypt. They had also come up out of one other place. Once upon a time. Abraham had been called up out of Ur and the Chaldees. They had come up out of basically Babylon. And had come back. Now that was not out of a captivity. That was just where they were. But they had been rescued from Egypt. And now God is hinting. You're going to have to come out of somewhere again. So the thought has to come to the people. Well where is it we're going? If we're going to have to come out. And so something is coming. Something frightening. Something world changing. For the Israelites. Something that is going to just completely change everything for them. So it was the Assyrian captivity. And we'll, we're going to. I've got pictures. So it's coming. Okay. That's the end of chapter 1. Anything that far. Are you following along with where the book is going? It's a different kind of book, isn't it? With these pictures. It's going to get more prophetic, more traditionally prophetic um, after this, but not quite yet. We're still on the names of the children here for a little while. Okay, chapter 2. Say of your brothers, my people, and of your sisters, my loved one. Well, now the Lord changes their names. Um, so... The, the one who was not my brother um, uh, uh, becomes, or not, not my people, becomes now my people. And the one who was not loved now becomes my loved one. So it changes. Yeah, Diane? Is that what the low in front of it is? Low is Hebrew for not. Okay, so he's yeah. the That's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I, that, that's enough about that. But that's excellent. That's how you learn to begin to translate a language. Diane has put her thumb on the Rosetta Stone of Hebrew. Um, so that's, that's exactly what you do. You know, you go from there. Um, so, but now in, the, in this verse though, who is he talking to when he says say? Well, but these are not his brothers. These are his children. He's talking to all the people listening. Yeah. So God has now expanded this from Hosea's family to now everybody who's listening to all this stuff. I hope you get it, God says. Now all of you who were going to be not my people and not loved are going to be my people and you're going to be loved. So this now applies to everybody. And now God shows his hand, right? He throws out, can I say the right bower? And uh, I've been playing euchre a lot lately. So now he all of a sudden gets it. There's the jack of spades. And, um, and he says, this applies to everybody, not just these kids. So Hosea's marriage is a living parable of God's relationship of all of Israel. In the parable, God is Hosea. Gomer is Israel, and the kids are all the people of Israel, except 
Jezreel. It's really about the other two kids, the low kids. Lo Ruhama, Lo Ami, those are all the people. Jezreel is the context. Okay? So now we've got to go back and figure out what that name means. But as long as we're on this amazing gospel verse, Hosea 2.1, um, I would uh, like to say a little bit more. But, but first, let me just say something else about, about 2B here. Say of your sisters, my loved one. So in ancient religions, women had virtually no part in the worship life. Women didn't bring sacrifices, they didn't bring offerings. They, well, women didn't serve as priests, but that's continued on to the present time. But women also didn't, weren't involved in many religions, like the, the Greeks, the Egyptians, the Canaanites. Women didn't have any part in worship at all, except in some religions, like the Canaanites, as temple prostitutes. Um, where they were, they, they were there to propitiate the, 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 uh, the, the cult of fertility. But, other, but that's never been true of Israel or of Christianity. Um, this is a religion that's for all of the people. In fact, it's for the children as well, which was unique to the other world religions. You've got a religion that involves everybody? That was different when people came in uh, to either Israel or Christianity. Really, it's for everybody? And yes, it's for everybody. Um, so for all people. I want to relate one verse here from Jeremiah 23, though. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. So Jeremiah lives um, 300 years, 200 years, 250 years after Hosea. And he, he doubles down on all of Hosea's prophecies. So Jeremiah says, yes, this is Judah and Israel. Jeremiah constantly has the northern tribes in mind. Jeremiah, who was in exile, is thinking about the north also. And the north had been gone since the, the Assyrians took them away. They didn't come back. But the prophet still has them at heart and in mind. This is the name by which he will be called the Lord, our righteous Savior. So then, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when people will no longer say, as surely as the Lord lives, who brought the Israelites out of Egypt, but will say, as surely as the Lord lives, who brought the descendants of Israel out of the land of the north, and out of all the countries where he had banished them, then they will live in their own land. Um, if you had family who had been taken away into the Assyrian captivity, wouldn't this just bring tears to your eyes? They're, they can come back. I mean, the, that, that was 200 years ago. They're not the people, you know, we, not my grandmother's ancestors or, or relative, but, but my relatives who are now generations later. But they will come back and we will see them once again. And where do we see one of the northern tribes I think I've talked about this before, but in the life of Jesus. Well, uh, it's in the temple. It's the prophetess who comes up to baby Jesus. Anna from the tribe of Asher. So Asher had been, Asher's gone. But there's Anna in the temple. 
you know, so there, there is something there. Jesus is welcomed by Anna from Asher and by Simeon, probably from the tribe of Simeon or Judah down in the south, but one of those two. But we have north and south greeting the Savior in the temple when he's taken there to be dedicated to the Lord. All right, verse 2. Rebuke your mother. Now who's the Lord speaking to? Well, it's kind of the kids, right? The children. You know, Mama, where are you going? Can you imagine that? She's a prostitute. She's going out. And the child says, where are you going, Mom? You know, I mean, shouldn't that have done something to her heartstrings? Um, you've got a husband who, who is providing you with everything. What are you going to do? And who is God also talking to? Not just that family, but everybody. So who is he saying, rebuke your mother to? All of the Israelites. Yeah. And who is the mother in, in this context? The whole nation, really. What are we doing, O oh nation, O oh people? So rebuke her, for she is not my wife and I am not her husband. Let her remove, remove the adulterous look from her face and the unfaithfulness from between her breasts. Um, so, uh, first of all, we have here a call to repentance. And when I teach Matthew 18 in catechism class, Matthew 18 is the, is the, the steps of, um, of calling someone through church discipline. Um, and I try to use a little rhyme. The kids usually remember it. Um, have you heard me say it before? First you go, then two go, and if that leaves you in the lurch, take it to the church. That's, those are the steps of, of, of church discipline. So you go and show your brother his fault just between the two of you. If he turns back, you have won your brother over. But if not, take along someone else. And when I'm dealing with children in catechism class, who is the person you should take along if you're going to tell somebody that they're sinning? Well, another witness would be really good. And if not, then their mom. You know, take along someone who's got some weight in their life, not a stranger. And if they, and if, if they still refuse, then Jesus is the one who says, and by the way, one of the first times the word ever occurs in any literature, Jesus says, take it to the church. That word doesn't occur earlier in the Bible anywhere. It's the church. occurs after it all, the, all over the Bible. But all of a sudden we have this concept of the gathering of believers. Um, bring it to the church. And, um, um, and if they still don't repent, treat them as you would a tax collector or a pagan. Um, but this is what just the children should say. Rebuke your mother, rebuke her, for she's not my wife. Um, so, And here we have another sudden transition back to the law. After that beautiful gospel and that Jeremiah reference I just gave you, boom, right back to the law. Um, and this unfaithfulness between her breasts um, could be one of two things. I'm not sure. Um, in Song of Solomon 1.13, the woman is wearing a sachet of perfume around her neck between her breasts. And could that be like, you know, perfume would be, maybe for a prostitute would be, an, I don't know, an advertisement? Maybe? Or if it were a necklace with like gold or silver or a pendant or something like that, it could be a gift from her lover. Um, like where do we see payment given that's not gold for prostitution in the Bible? Oh, 
Tamar, who had the, who gave her what? And his staff. Yeah, Judah has to. Judah, who's going to go sleep with a prostitute, turns out she's his daughter-in-law, but he doesn't know that. Um, has his cylinder seal, his signature, his credit card. He had to give her and his and the cord. It's and the signet ring, and his walking stick, his staff. And uh, then he comes back with the with the whatever it was, a goat or something he had promised her, and she's gone. And then, okay, whoops. Um, but then he finds out he's a dad again and a grandfather at the same time, and okay. You've been listening to Invisible Church, the Bible study podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church, New Wall, Minnesota.